Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. and welcome to another brand new spoiler review episode here from the geek buddies that's good vogel went out last night so that's literally him running out of batteries just now <laughs> it is it or is the second it is the second Pride weekend in Los Angeles, and I am very, yeah. very proud, and consequently, I am very tired. Absolutely. I thought that was him recharging. We know, Shannon and I know, <laughs> your batteries only need two or three hours of rest before they're ready to go again. It's insane. Just keep going. Just keep yeah. going. <laughs> but uh, speaking of keep going, we're going forward with uh, episode one here of Ms. Marvel uh, that dropped this week uh, from Disney Plus and, of course, the fine people at Marvel Studios, starring Iman Vellani. You might not believe this. This is her first on-camera acting role insane uh, taking on the role of Kam- kamala kamala khan kamala khan i'm trying i gotta get that you know i have repeated all the time now trying to get it in my mouth uh and uh her her history or her story origin story here as ms marvel the first episode was called generation why we're going to jump into all of it here and break it down for you as you know the geek buddies can do but let's introduce ourselves first i'm the outlaw john roker writer producer no steer on the geek buddies mike I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shan. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some work on Netflix right now. Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big Barry City. Barry in the Big City. Executive produced by that dehydrated guy right there. Michael That's Vogel. me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and, ju- and what a color palette that matches Ms. Marvel, I would imagine, because this is also a very vibrant show, as Strawberry Shortcake is as well. So, yeah. Good stuff to get into here. And, of course, we are brought to you and powered and sponsored by Carbon Health. Thank you so much, Carbon Health. Staying on as a supporter and uh, sponsor here of the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. you got some healthcare issues you want to get taken care of. you got some questions you want to have answered healthcare-wise. Head on over to CarbonHealth.com. They can help you virtually. They can help you in person. they got all kinds of things they can help you with for sure. they got 100-plus locations all over the country, 50-plus locations in California alone. And they've got an app that you can download on your phone and check anytime you have any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs. So head over there, carbonhealth.com. They're testing people for COVID now. The numbers are going up. Get those test packets and get tested there as well. All right, let's get into this thing. Let's ask you first, Mike. We always start with you. Generation Y, first episode, so much going on here. We get introduced to, to Kamala Khan and all that she is navigating in her life, her, uh, her Pakistani Muslim uh, family. We get uh, into her high school, her daydreaming, her fascination with the, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers. Uh, also, we get her getting her powers through a bracelet and going to this Avenger Con, trying to get into this Avenger Con, her dad coming out in that Hulk outfit made me almost cry. It was so awesome. And then, boom, at the end, we see her use 
her power. So, uh, Mike, talk to me about this overall first episode as an introduction and origin story for Ms. Marvel. Um, well, first, I just want to say, like, I think the overwhelming feeling I had watching this was relief. <laughs> I was relieved. I was so worried. Uh, not not because anything looked bad, but just because, like, Miss Marvel is such a popular character and Kamala Khan is so big in the MCU and she's so beloved, or in Marvel Comics, and she's so beloved by so many. And I was like, of all the shows that you have got to get right, you have got to get this right. And yeah. thus far, based on the first episode, I feel like they really got it right. I mean, the power switch aside, which I think, you know, most people understand why uh, yeah. they we'll did it. I think part, sure. Yeah, we'll get into that. But overall, I thought uh, I thought she was amazing. I thought the vibe was great. You know, I think we talk a lot about Marvel. I think we talked about this with uh, Multiverse of Madness and Sam Raimi. Like, there is a type of... Um, feel that you go this feels like marvel and when something doesn't feel like marvel and kind of is out of place it has to be really good mm -hmm. to make you sort of go okay well this is part of the marvel universe like taika waititi with thor that did not feel like the marvel universe but we were like that's awesome we'll take it and i feel like miss marvel is so different from the other disney plus marvel shows it has a completely different vibe it doesn't quite feel like anything else in the Marvel Universe, but it is so charming, so visually fun um, that I think they really they really nailed it. Like, I think they spent so much time really outlining Kamala's story, Kamala's friends, most importantly, Kamala's family. Um, and I think even though we only get a hint of her powers at the very end of the episode, um, they built the perfect base. Like, this mm -hmm. is great. Yeah, uh, Shannon, there's a lot of universal things that you connect to. You can connect to here as a teenager. You know, it doesn't matter uh, what situation you're in. Most teenagers feel like they're in a situation with their family where they feel a little restricted. They want to push the boundaries. They want things that they want to do. And we see her on this journey. You know, she's a daydreamer. All three of us uh, are daydreamers in certain ways, for sure. And you see her drawing her stuff and doing these YouTube animations and, and uh, narrating the Avengers big battles, where, of course, Captain Marvel is the star. Uh, all of that we see her go through. And then we see her actual school life, which she has a female sort of bully, an antagonist, shall we say. She's, she's got a best friend, two best friends, really. One at, this, at high school, and also a female Muslim teenager in the mosque. And also her other friend there who's helping her uh, navigate this high school. So talk to me what you felt about like, you know, because full disclosure, all three of us are dudes. Full disclosure, none of us are Muslim. What? So did, yeah, did this like kind of key you into a female's point of view, both on the Marvel fandom, but also, but also as a teenager in this kind of meta world that they've built here within this show? Oh, 100 um, percent. Even though like I didn't grow up around a lot of you know muslim kids i mean the idea of very conservative parents who want their child on a very very strict path i mean i think that sort of transcends that transcends religion like i yeah. think we've all we've all known those kids and so even though my parents weren't like that i, I definitely understood like yeah th there are there are families like this who there is so much expectation placed on their children and there's definitely a difference between how parents treat uh sons and daughters i mean i'm i'm the youngest of three both of my older siblings are are, are girls so by the time i got to be a teenager um i think one of my parents were just exhausted um but but <laughs> i th there was a lot i had a lot more freedom than both of my sisters one because i was the youngest they were exhausted but also because i was a boy and there were different there's a different set of expectations placed on it. Um, and, you know, the, just the, the show a, as a whole, just based off of the first episode, obviously, I think Disney Plus shows who have a directing team that the directors only go by one name, um, that seems to be the way to go because um, <laughs> a, a deal in Bilal, definitely, I'm getting those Bert and Birdie vibes from Hawkeye. There is so much um, creative energy behind the camera that's making its way in front of the camera the way yeah. they're able to sort of insert um uh, kamala's uh point of view with everything that she does with her drawings with the graffiti on the wall mm -hmm. it's so much fun like again as vogel said like this is this is very different i mean the closest thing that i think we have to point to 
with this episode is Spider-Man Homecoming. I mean, this is a yeah, younger is. character. Okay. This is someone in high school. Right. Um, but you, you, you just, it's this shot in the arm of energy that I feel like it's been a minute since we've had that in the MCU. And it's a really, it's a really welcome change because it was just so bright. It was so optimistic and it was just so much fun. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Fun is the number one thing that I come out of. And relief, I think, Mike, is a, is a valid feeling to have after this because, I mean, there have been you know kind of middling responses to Moon Knight, middling responses to Multiverse of Madness. But this seems to have overall been very well accepted by critics and reviewers and pundits. It stands at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the highest anything has ever scored in the MCU movie or tv show wise it's just above black panther wow. by one percent now the review bombing is happening so we'll push that aside but i also want to give some love you mentioned the directors shannon i want to give some love to bishake ali who is the series creator and head writer i think capturing this kind of universal yet specific story it is a tough line to walk and a and a tough tightrope to walk and there's a lot of expectations from one side of the spectrum and from another side of the spectrum is and obviously a majority of the people probably in america uh, aren't going to necessarily understand fully the muslim faith so you have to make it uh, presented in a way that's that is accessible. And I think they've done a really good job of that. Whereas with the Moon Knight, it seemed a little bit like a an occasional thing. This is very steeped in her culture. It's very much an important part of her culture. And mm -hmm. her parents don't come off as these kind of strict authoritarians. They love their daughter. They just, it, yes, they've, they've been a little more lenient with their son. And their daughter is certainly bringing that up. But you see that there is genuine love between the mom. And especially when the dad jumps out in the Hulk outfit, as I mentioned earlier, that moment... Every kid wants that moment, that one parent that understands their real love of something. Now, is he clumsy? Is he awkward at doing it? Does it still feel weird to bring your dad to something like this? Yes, because she wants to kind of walk her own path. She's stepping out and wants to uh, walk her own, uh, do her own thing. Uh, so having the dad come along doesn't understand. But there's genuine affection here. And I think as strict as they may be, you understand why. So I really appreciate that portrayal. Uh, as well and how oh. oh sorry yeah go ahead oh no 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 go ahead john finish, no, finish. finish. and how aman valani and the other two actors really have some fantastic chemistry as father daughter as a, a mother uh, father and daughter yeah sorry yeah go i was ahead. definitely gonna say the love 100 is yeah. there and that's where uh in this case uh yeah. i think that's where that that sh that strictness does come from is from that love now i'll i'll, I'll disagree with you slightly that him jumping out as the hulk is something she wanted that's something oh, no, that, that you, when so, she's when okay. she's older, yeah, that's yeah, something fair, she fair, will fair. look back on. Like and like right there when she says it's humiliating, she's being 100 percent honest right. because from the point of view of a teenager, I do not want this. But it's the yeah, type of thing that when you get older, yeah. you look yeah. back and be like, oh, my God, well, my my parents were awesome. I wish I would have appreciated them. Yeah. Fair. And, I, and I think I mean, I, I think that with aside from Iman Bellani, who just like nails it, like she just I mean, she can. She is so charming. She is so funny. She's so natural on screen. So that's like that's the highlight. But just below her are her parents. Yeah. The way that the way that relationship is handled, the way they are playing those roles, they are funny. They are specific to your point, Johnny. But like it would have been so easy to just make them the heavies. Oh, here's my traditional parents who are like right. so strict, and I like oh, this is a big obstacle, and I have to. But there's so much love infused in those relationships and there's so much care taken with the way that they're handled mm -hmm. so that when they come in and say hey we're gonna let you go to avengers con just here's the way to do it and he comes in the hulk thing it's super funny yeah. but when she turns around and tells them that that's embarrassing like the hurt the genuine hurt on their faces you feel for them and when her mom is waiting for her at the end of the episode and has that speech like at no point do you go Oh, these parents are so horrible. You're like, these parents are amazing. They're wrong. They're right, maybe right. they're they're maybe maybe a little overly strict for her. Uh, they're not really seeing how important this really is for her, and that's going to be part of the journey. But it would have been so easy to make these parents like one dimensional cardboard, like bad parents, and they have really developed them into amazingly uh likable funny yeah. characters three-dimensional characters yeah absolutely yeah. mike yeah and they could have haywarded him 
but they didn't. They let them <laughs> on their own. Oh, we're back on the island. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call it, Haywarding. Uh, but yeah, give, giving some love to the two actors, Zenobia Sharoff, who plays Muniba, and Mohan Kapoor, who plays Yusuf, her dad. So both of them, just great chemistry. And you're right, just fantastic how they connect with her. But let's let's swing back to something you brought up here, Michael Iman Vellani. Let's talk about her. I mean, what a performance to A, I mean, what, I mean, the new generation of, of kids, God love them. They're, most of them are not overwhelmed by these situations. It's incredible to watch. Those of us who grew up in different generations, uh, most of us aside from Bogo, are overwhelmed by things when we confront them for the first time and like, well, I've got all this pressure or whatever. She seems to be rolling with it like, like it's not a big deal. These interviews that she's delivered, there's there's a nice quiet confidence in her There's a, and without sacrificing also the fandom or fangirling that she does occasionally about Robert Downey Jr. It's great to see her embrace this role, have such a confidence with this role and a care for this character because although it only came out in 2014 mike this character has taken on a life of its own oh yeah it's a very strong fandom yeah i mean look the the miss marvel fans are numerous i mean it really is because that original arc in the comics i mean the whole comic run is great but that original uh arc that really got people excited when the graphic novel came out um when they collected all the individual issues like it's great. People loved it. And I think to your point, John, I think a lot of times the review bombers of the world yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, feel like, oh, well, when you have someone who a protagonist who's a girl or who is a different color than you or is a different culture than you or a different religion than you, that it somehow alienates. But specificity doesn't sacrifice universality, if that makes sense. Like yeah. to everything you guys are saying, like uh, Kamala's story is very, very specific, but everything she's dealing with here is universal. I mean, she's Peter Parker. She's any superhero teen who has to sneak out at night. So I think that uh, Miles Morales, like, so I think that um, they're doing a great job with that. And she is doing a great job. Marvel does this great thing. Like when they nail it with the casting, they nail it because the person playing the role basically in our mind is that character yeah, like kind of like Robert Downey Jr was the original version of like Robert Downey Jr like oh you're going to pay some, play somebody who maybe like has some substance abuse issues and is really overly confident and has goes through some shit and then comes out at the other end oh okay yeah like you're basically Tony Stark and so watching him on Vellani in these art, in these interviews like fangirling over the MCU mm-hmm. when uh when Kamala is uh when Kamala is uh fangirling over the Avengers right, in the right. in the show. Like it's just a great uh she just fits. She yeah. just fits perfectly. That's a good call. She just fits. I like that description. Uh, Shannon, thoughts? What do you think about Iman Vellani? I mean, you, of course, you're still out there booking jobs, getting in there as an actor, so you're watching her work in this. What stands out to you as an actor watching another actor stepping into a role like this and taking it on and embodying what is essentially now an iconic character in the MCU, in the Marvel Universe, now in the MCU? I mean, I think you look at the Herculean task that she was given mm-hmm. in that she, for her first professional job, um, she is not only the lead of a show, but she's also um, this character who has meant so much to so many people. And it's such a big, big step in the realm of diversity. I mean, you know, we've had some issues with the fandom in the past who kind of push back and you see all of the pressure. I mean, you know, Moses Ingram is dealing a lot with this. I mean, a lot of people are very like, you may not like her performance, but she's dealing with things beyond that. Mm -hmm. And uh, thus far, I mean, I've read a couple of dumb things, but thus far, uh, Iman Vellani is doing one, her performance. She is incredibly charismatic. Now that is something that, you know, all three of us at one point were actors. Like that's yeah. not something you can teach. Like that yeah. is something that you just have. Now you can have I actors. Just, I was just born with it. <laughs> that's why you kept acting, right, Mike? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, you piece of shit. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. For all of our audience, Mike was a really, really good actor. Birds! But, anyway, I can go this But, you know, that's the type of thing, like, that is the thing, like, The Rock has. Like, The Rock has yeah. this inane charm that that's just something, you know, you're, you're born with. And th- to, to t- uh, top that, that she has that charisma, she has that charm, but she also... Based off of this, she's got a lot of talent because you you do see that 
embarrassment that she has yeah. when the idea that she's going to have to go to AvengerCon with her father, who's yeah. dressed up like the Hulk, whose face is painted green, like the the embarrassment that she exudes to me. You know, I have nephews that are a little older than her, and that's the type of embarrassment that you have because it's not this overplayed, over the top, like, no, it, it's it's not James Vanderbeek from Varsity Blues, which granted, right. all of our audience might not be <laughs> might not be old enough to remember that movie. But but hers, where it's just like, it barely ekes out. Like, she, she doesn't know what to say. She does such a good job. And when they're at AvengerCon and you see her looking at that display of Captain Marvel and you see the the, the love in her eyes that she has for this for this this figure that you know she doesn't know yeah. but just the idea of what she represents um it's just so it's so internal and it bleeds out yeah. and also she's really really funny um now to her the way she's handling the press she's doing awesome like the <laughs> fact that she's actually giving voice to some of the fan base who are like the mcu is not 616 oh, like she's throwing out like hey there's some inconsistencies here and she talks about like this text relationship that she has with kevin feige where he's like it's 616 because i say it is it's like great you're wrong <laughs> i'm like it's so it's so funny and um my guess is that this is the beginning of a probably long and very uh, successful career. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real possibility that she ends, she ends up being the Tony Stark down the road of this entire universe where she is the one that is appearing in other people's uh, shows or movies to kind of add a little more weight to it. I mean, the day may come where she's playing the Tony Stark to someone else's Tom Holland Spider-Man. I mean, there, there's so many <laughs> possibilities as we go forward because she seems, as Michael said, to have fit to already be a part of this universe immediately after this first episode i've seen the second episode so there's even more of her fitting into the this universe that is to come which i'm not going to reveal that is great so i i really enjoyed her mike yeah uh no i was just gonna say i mean yeah. a of her uh, like talking about her fitting and talking about you know her kind of like being like what shannon was saying giving voice to the fandom yes i also thought that's why the way they opened this episode was so so brilliant yeah uh you know i think in the comic you know you sort of like dive in on her fanfic but i love I, I love the idea that they kind of moved fan fiction to her creating these youtube videos where she's just like doing her take on things and the way they did all the visuals i mean the visuals throughout are amazing but yeah this whole sort of like hand-drawn endgame moment and kind of like narrating through the battle of endgame yeah. through captain marvel coming in and you know i i also think they did a very smart thing and they took all the things that a lot of people complain about about that endgame finale <laughs> and for her for kamala it's those are all pluses yeah like when we were like oh captain marvel came in at the last minute and she finally showed up because she's been gone the entire movie and then she left again and she's always gone and she's like guys the Avengers were going down, and here she comes. She's amazing. Save the day. Punch Thanos in the face. It was awesome. And then, yeah, you guys are all like, oh, she abandoned us. She didn't abandon us. She's got stuff to do. You guys don't know. The universe is really big. And so, like, they took a character who is a little bit divisive for the MCU. There are people that absolutely love Carol Danvers uh, sure. in the, or the, her, the version of her in the MCU, and there are people that feel like that she wasn't handled perfectly well. She came in at the last minute. We thought she was going to be a bigger deal in Endgame than she was. And the way that they've taken all those things and wrapped that into all the things that Kamala loves about her, I thought was very, very smart. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Shannon, let's move on to something else here with this uh, uh, presentation of this character. We get uh, Bruno, Matt Lintz. We get uh, Nakia, who is played by uh, Yasmin Fletcher. I think that's right. Um, both those actors coming in to kind of decorate her world as friends. Do you like that? Uh, do you like the way they're kind of presented here? Bruno being a big part of of uh, uh, the Ms. Marvel in the comics. Do you like the way this was uh, presented to you as, as a person watching from the outside? Yeah, definitely. This will be a situation where we do talk about Bruno. Oh! I uh... <laughs> I want to apologize to everyone oh, that I walked Silencio Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, we don't see a whole lot um, uh, from uh, Nakia, but we do have, we, we do get a lot of the relationship between um, Kamala and, and Bruno. It's interesting because, like, I, I have not read that Miss Marvel, that, that initial Miss Marvel series. Mm -hmm. So, um, from a writing perspective, I do wish we would have found out a little bit more about Bruno because okay. I'm kind of like, wait, does he live in a convenience store? Like, what? 
he's airbrushing an outfit in the middle of like a 7-Eleven. Like, this doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense to me. But then going and like I actually, you know, uh, uh, looked up some stuff online. And then when we uh, see uh, Kamala's mom give that, you know, bag of food and say, yeah, the yeah. Bottom, oh you know, the bottom one is spicy. The top one, the top one's for Nona. And I'm like, all right, well, that's that's like Italian grandma, I believe. Right. Um, so, yeah, you really you really like this relationship between the two of them and the moment where they're at Avenger con and he asks her where the gloves are, the photon gloves yeah. and that sort of look. Cause I mean, and again, I didn't read that much. So I don't, it sure seems like he has a crush on her. Um, I don't know if they're going to go, that's going to be a romance, but um, you could kind of see like a little bit of heartbreak on his face um but yeah thus far their relationship it's it's very very sweet and and again i'm getting shades of peter and ned Mm. right now um and the only bit that we get with uh uh, nakia that i did really like is when um kamala gets hit in the face by zoe with the oh yeah and you see she immediately runs up and defends her friend and that seems like it's kind of a forecast of what that relationship is going to be going down the line but don't we see them at prayer in the mosque as well? In no, this John, okay, stop spoiling Fair things enough. that we're going to see in the next Fair episode. Enough. We didn't Sorry see about it that. yet. Uh, <laughs> Michael, what do you think about how they're portrayed? I think, I think, I think you need to stop talking before you spoil episode two. <laughs> so I think. Um, no, I think they're great. I think, I think Shannon's right. We don't get a lot of Nakia, but as someone who's read the comics, uh, I think Shannon points out exactly where they're going to go with her. Yeah. I think that even in the little, little bit we got, I'm excited to see more because um, I think she is a great character. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the Bruno stuff was great. I did. It is funny because when I first watched it, him airbrushing the Captain Marvel suit, like I watch things as a fan and then I sort of watch it sometimes as a, oh, like, did they do this all right? Like, what's the translation? And it took me two times because the first time I was like, yeah, of course he'd be working on that there. Like, that's where he's working. Like, that's yeah. where he's, he literally lives there half the time. Like, you know, he's, he's there all the time. And then it was in the second episode. I'm like, oh, they maybe should have explained that. That's maybe going to be a little confusing. He's <laughs> airbrushing this in the middle of the store. So it is funny because I did notice that. But I do think, uh, and I love that you said you're getting shades of Peter and Ned, because I think what's wonderful about this relationship is that they're not doing the traditional girl who has a crush on a boy and like doesn't know how to talk to him. Like these two are best friends. They are Peter and Ned. They just happen to be a straight boy and a straight girl. So that like the option of Peter and Ned also being a Peter and MJ is on the table. And I think that's a really fun relationship and a dynamic to play. Um, And I think that the sequence, uh, the scene where they were sitting on top of the roof. Yes. And she was just talking about her family and talking about like when she's like brown girls from Jersey don't save the world. And he's like, yeah, they do. Like you can do whatever you want. Like you're, you know, you're Kamala Khan. Like that, that just solidified this dynamic. You're like, oh, they care about each other so much. He cares about her so much. He cares about her so much and maybe does like her a little bit. And having read the comics, I do know where they're probably going to go with it. And it's going to be quite a ride. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I enjoy both of those. And yeah, I've seen the second episode. So there's more with Yasmin. And I think she's fantastic in this role. I'm not going to say what's more, but just that I enjoy be her more. Careful. And we did more with Bruno, which is great as well. Yeah, so just throwing that out there. And also, and let's move on to this because we're talking... We'll talk about the powers in the next section here, okay. but let's let's hit this section first. None of us, as I said, are Muslim, but uh, she is Pakistani Canadian. Iman Vellani doing a pa- uh, portraying a Pakistani American girl in Jersey City. Do you like the way that they presented um, this heritage, the the Muslim heritage or the Muslim faith, rather, and the connections uh, that they ha- that it has in her life with her family, with her brother, the dynamics, uh, but also. Do you feel it was presented in a way that was respectful? Like, it's not like she hates her faith or hates her or, or any of that. It's very ingrained. Did you like that it was matter of fact, yet also stood out, Mike? Well, yes. Okay. I I hear uh, I have a feeling we might see the mosque in the next episode. I don't know if you do. I or heard not. I heard somewhere, so I'm curious to see that. But I thought in this first episode, uh, I did like how they handled it. I thought they just peppered it throughout. I thought it all felt very natural and authentic. It didn't feel like they were trying to hit me over the head with everything. It's just like, this is a very religious family. And I think to your point, 
you know, the issue with representation sometimes is if you have if you have a show where you have one Muslim character, mm-hmm. that character actually has to do the heavy lifting of like representing all Muslims. That's the problem. Is like when you have a show with like here's five white characters and one black character and one Latin character and one Asian character, those characters all have to be like, okay, well, I had to res- I'm respectful of this and I'm respectful of that. When you have an entire family of Muslims, you are allowed to show lots of different perspectives on it. So it's not uh, it's not an issue that Kamala kind of strains against uh, the what what her what her Muslim parents want out of her and don't want out of her. And I think that her being someone who grew up in Jersey City, who is obsessed with all the things she's obsessed with, it makes sense that she would be like, ugh. and I think it's it's going to show that there's lots of ways to be a Muslim, which is what is actually true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shannon, thoughts on how they're portraying the faith here, at least for the limited amount we got exposed here in this first episode. Yeah, I thought it was great. And, and like, the, I, I kind of want to loop in uh, Zenobia Shroff's performance in this as well, okay. because she also played Kumail Nanjiani's mom in The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's a right. very, yes. very similar dynamic how they have how they have set up that that there is an older sibling, a boy who who is uh, seems to be much more devout yeah. than than the younger sibling. <laughs> um, but also Zenobia Shroff, um, she's so funny, but she's also mastered that withering look of mm. maternal disapproval <laughs> um which is something that like i i went back and watched a little bit of the big sick because when that movie that was my favorite movie of the year when it came mm. out mm. and just watching her performance i'm like there's so much there's so much to this mm. because you know you have this mom who wants the best for her children but she wants the best for them her way yeah. and that is something that was probably passed on from from her mom to that, you know, for, for generations. That's that's at least what it seems like. Um, so something that helped with me, like I had a difficult time in some of the crowd scenes understanding some of the dialogue. Now, this has mm-hmm. nothing to do with performance. This is this is an audio mix issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's just my TV. So I turned on the um, the subtitles mm-hmm. for, for the second time I watched. And there was a lot there, there was a lot of sort of uh, Islamic terminology which I, I did not catch the first time because, uh, you know, I just, I don't know, I don't know the terms. So looking back, like I was able to kind of pick up on a lot more things being like, okay, this, this kind of means, I think this kind of means this, it kind of means this. Um, and, and, and I think it's helpful for the audience because if you are inclined, you can pause and be like, what does that mean? Now I know what this means. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was portrayed really well because again, I grew up in a, uh, Southern Baptist household Mm. and like, I enjoyed I enjoyed my uh, my church life, but there were definitely times like, oh, mom and dad, okay, we get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, God said this, God said that, Jesus said this, Jesus said that. Like you get, um, it, it can be a little uh, trying for a kid. Yeah. And again, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, again, I think this is one of those things that sort of transcends faith. Like this is something oh, yeah. that every kid who grows up in a house of faith has to deal with because it's something <laughs> that you, that is, uh, Put upon you it's something that you sort of inherit and so it's a different it's just a different point of view and i think the way that they're doing it right now is really really um smart and very well done yeah i mean connecting to it uh, from from my level as as a son of immigrants she's this daughter of immigrants and then the idea of religion that being a, my father read the bible every morning every sunday morning was you know so there was that feeling of of having to adhere to the words of this kind of thing so when you're a dreamer it doesn't really fit in the mix it took a long time for my dad to really accept where i wanted to go with my life so that's a thing that you kind of confront and deal with and navigate so seeing shades of that in the story i really felt connected to that in the way it's been portrayed and i like that they're doing this as a matter of fact and by that i mean they don't go hey she's pakistani and a muslim they go like hey this is just what it is and boom 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 catch up and i love you get it you're absolutely like you get to that that opening scene where she comes downstairs and you just get all the family her brother is her her brother is praying while mom is giving her advice and then dad is giving her advice and the whole thing and like there's not a moment of like let us show you let us explain what a muslim family is like they just throw you into it and it's just like you know, crazy insanity as she's getting ready for her driver's test. And I think you're right. It's, it's matter of fact is exactly the way they do it. Yeah. And it's up to you to catch up and there'll be more of having seen the second episode. There's more of that. So I imagine oh the whole God, series. We get it. You it just comes, the, second episode. Just the whole series, it feels like it's going to be that way. And I appreciate that. Let the audience do a little bit of work. And I like that. You catch up, you turn on the subtitles, you catch the references, you do the work. I appreciate that 
that makes it feel more natural and real and organic, which allows you to kind of instinctively connect to it because you know that from your own experience and your own point of view, what you've gone through that's kind of similar to that as well. Well, let's move on to the big thing, and that's the powers here. Um, there is a power change. You know, Kamala form, uh, uh, forms uh, 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 crystalline structures that disintegrate. She uses the uh, she uses uh, she uses well we saw her use her powers right at the end so do you like the way her powers are brought about here in the show of course there's more to come but do you like the way the powers are introduced here as opposed to using the inhuman storyline possibly it seems like it's familiar connect familial connected with the bracelets do you like that uh shannon i guess i'll go with you first on this one yeah i mean again uh my exposure to Kamala Khan has been through some of the Marvel animated stuff. So I've seen right. her with her embiggening powers and whatnot. Um, I, I love the fact that they're sort it's, it's like an inherited heirloom. Like, yeah. I think it's so cool that uh, it, it is familial, as you said, John, like, you know, they have this discussion about her grandmother, about her maternal grandmother yes. and how uh, the moment that uh, Zenobia Shrove sees that brace was like, that is junk. Um, so I, it, it is a mis it, it's a little bit of a mystery, like, okay, what, what is this thing? Where did it come from? The moment that she puts it on and it expands and you see sort of the, the that energy cloud start to wash over her yeah. and we get a brief glimpse. She sort of falls back. We get a brief glimpse of these figures in shadow with kind of glowy wide eyes. Like it's really, that's the thing that I want to find out more about yeah. and, and, this is not a ding at all. I know there've been people, especially with Obi-Wan be like, well, why this, why that? And it's like, well, questions will be answered. That's what the show is designed for. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to find out about that because, you know, with the Inhumans thing, it was the Terrigen mists like right. this is like, is like, it seems like this is some sort of alien artifact that she has inherited. Mm -hmm. Um, getting to the actual are we going to talk about the action or or, or yeah if we... you want yeah go there go there if you want it as a connective so, tissue to the powers yeah go ahead so, so this is the one area i knew where... it. i knew it i knew it <laughs> oh. by the way i by the way i actually yeah. agree so i'm not actually like okay. i'm not making All fun right. of shannon because i was i felt the same way but like because i when you want when you do geek buddies whenever you watch these things these two assholes are just in my head so like i'll be watching something and i'll be like oh John's gonna say he wants a whole backstory for that character in two lines, and then and then, and then I'll be watching. Uh, and I was watching the action, and I was like, "Oh, Shannon's gonna have some things to say about this." So I am not a big fan of uh, super heroic action scenes where the superhero is the reason things go sideways. Ah, okay. That so the okay. fact that and this happens in Avengers Con, right? Exactly. Go ahead. Or the the crystalline energy structures which which hit. Ant-Man, the giant Ant-Man head, which then bounces and then hits the cable with Mjolnir. And yes, yeah, she does save Zoe, which awesome, super heroic, but it just gives me, it gives me those fantastic 2005 Fantastic Four vibes where like they have that big bridge sequence where they're like, hey, they saved the day. I'm like, this was their fault. <laughs> so that is the type of thing that and that that is not a director thing that is a writing thing and uh okay. having like I, I know like i read that the um her saving zoe is comics accurate like it's not an avengers mm -hmm. comic it's at a party um yeah. but the, the i the fact that it was kind of her fault and granted yes she's a younger hero she's learning to use these powers um this is the first time they, they've appeared it just is a little unsatisfying for me as an audience member that she's basically fixing the mess that she made um, I, it, it's a little stronger when when it's when it occurs outside of her. Isn't that what Endgame is? Fixing the mess that they made. I feel like. Oh my but, god! Uh, here we go I again. Hear you, what I hear your point. Here uh, we go again. No, <laughs> Michael. Thoughts on the. Powers? I was well. I, I so I, I disagree slightly. Although I <laughs> in this, I, I agree with the spirit of what Shannon's saying. Yeah. I think it's okay, particularly because she had no idea what was going on. This kind of just happened. I think it's okay that she ended up having to sort of clean up the mess that she caused. I just wish 
and they were going for the fact that she was completely stunned. She was like, what the hell just happened? So it's not like she's all of a sudden going to dive in and start doing like super heroic stuff. But I think that whole action sequence, that very brief action sequence, could have been handled a little better. I'm not sure of the physics of that Scott Lang Ant-Man head that seems to roll <laughs> that seems to roll one direction and then just for reasons that I don't understand scientifically rolls yeah. in the other direction. Like I was, it, it was heavy enough to cause damage, but light enough that it was bouncing and rolling back and forth. I was like, I don't really understand that. Yeah. Um, and then when uh, when Thor's hammer came down and Mjolnir, Mjolnir came down, that hit Zoe so hard, I think she's dead. Like just the way it was shot, like it was like, it, like even I was watching it with my brother and he was like half paying attention, but the hammer hit Zoe and he just goes, whoa, like she just gets wrecked by that thing. And so I think like just the way it was all shot, it was like, I think it could have been handled in a way where, where uh, Kamala was a little bit more like stunned, but holy shit, I caused this. I need to try and stop it. Right. And did some stuff. And then, like, even the catching of Zoe, I think they could have made a little bit more of a moment out of. Like, that was my only issue in the entire episode. That one little sequence, I was like, eh, I feel I feel like I have a little Shannon in my head going, well, I could have shot this better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a tight space. Uh, and I think we see the limits of the budget. But also, they tried to fit it in what would look like an Avengers um, a con, a con. Yeah. Especially a first con. So it's not going to be massive. It's going to be somewhat confined, a first con. So I understand that. So, but I hear you. What about the, but you, do you have an issue with the powers, the way they're doing the powers, Mike? And no, all? Yeah. so, so like, I mean, look, I think that, I think that when we first talked about Miss Marvel coming to Disney Plus, I think we hit on it right away. I was like, there's no Inhumans. Yeah. I mean, there are, I guess, but we don't talk about that series because right. nobody wants to talk about it. But like, mm. but like they didn't do, the, there was that, like she came about in the comics at a time where it really seemed like because Fox had the X-Men, Marvel Comics was like, fuck you, we're going to go big with Inhumans. Like, that's really what it felt like. And so the Inhumans were everywhere. The Terrigen Mists were loose. Like, people all over the place were just becoming Inhumans. And so she came about in that time. So that's, like, a big part of her origin story. Yeah. And there was just no way they were going to be able to do that. Like, there's there's not a big enough Inhumans presence in the MCU for that to all of a sudden be a thing. Uh, and we don't have mutants yet, so they couldn't just flip it over and be like, well, this is our mutant right. power. So they were going to have to figure something else out. And then I think the stretchiness is, you know, as a lot of people said, we know the Fantastic Four is coming. We know that Reed Richards has not the exact powers that she mm. has in the comics that Miss Marvel has, but similar enough. And they probably didn't want two stretchy heroes. I also think it's a budget thing. To yeah. really do her powers on the big screen in live action the way that it, they are in the comics, like... That's incredibly expensive. So I think for a lot of reasons, they found themselves in the position where they were like, we kind of have to do something different. Yeah. I am sure that that wasn't an easy decision to make, but I think the way they handled it was good. I think that I'm curious to see between her and Carol Danvers and Monica Rambeau, like they all sort of have light-ish powers in different ways. And I'm curious to see how those all come together. And I'm curious to see. I think it was a smart thing in a show that is all about somebody, uh, somebody's passion versus versus their heritage. Yeah. And someone trying to balance that out, having the thing that allows them to follow their passion come from their heritage, I think is an interesting narrative choice. So, uh, like Shannon said, I'm really curious to see where it goes. Yeah, and nothing says they aren't starting out with these powers and that they can't expand down the road to be kind of more similar to what. She has well, in the comics, so we. Shall and I think see. they, and I think they very smartly, and we know we saw it in the trailer, and this is how she saved Zoe. It's like even though she's just making light constructs, she's basically doing the stretchy hand thing, just yeah, with right. the light constructs. So I think we're going to see shades of what was in the comic, just sort of translated into a different way for the MCU. And in the no, I'm just joking. Um, yeah, I so yeah. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> let's go to this post credit scene real quick. The U.S. Department of Damage. Well, wait, wait. Okay. Okay. Can we talk about Avengers Con for a minute? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Let's swing to that. Do, I saw some people criticizing the episode for this that they felt it was a little bit like uh, uh, the MCU or Marvel flexing on themselves, having a meta Avenger Con, which might actually happen now, apparently, an Avenger Con for themselves within their own show. So, what did you guys think about this? That's fair, Mike. You wanted to take this first? Yeah, that is. The entire foundation of this character's basis is yeah. that she is 
the the fangirl in the Marvel universe who gets like she's she's a fangirl of the Avengers who gets to join the Avengers. Right. So we hope you can't, down the road. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about the comics, but oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh in the comics, she gets to join the Avengers and she's the one who's sitting there being like, I literally write fan fiction about these guys and now I am fighting with them. Like that is who she is in Marvel Comics. Sure. And so to bring her into the MCU, she kind of has to be an MCU fangirl. And what better way to show what a fangirl she is than put her somewhere where anyone who's been to a comic book convention would go, yeah, that is actually how we all act in real life. And yeah. it is natural that in a universe where there really are superheroes, this is how people would react. So was it a little bit of a flex? Uh, maybe. But like, I think it was a really funny flex. And I think they did a lot of really, really smart stuff. Like setting Avengers Con at the home of Captain America. Yes. Uh, a place that we have come back to again and again in the MCU, I thought was great. Like them just walking into Avengers Con to that Captain America uh, Star Spangled Man playing was I like, as a geek, I was like, that's great. And then all of the little Easter eggs, like the the t-shirt the of Captain America's ass where he was like, you're welcome America. <laughs> or like the Asgard pride shirt, like all of the different things that were there. Uh, you know, the big, like, sort of, uh, 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 what do you call it? The, the, no. not, not the Ant-Man, the, uh, the, the, thank you for what you did for us, for your oh, sacrifice. The, 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 mur Stark. the mural. 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 Yes, the mural. Thank you. I was like, this is what happens when you're out late the night before you do a Geek Buddies review. <laughs> um, you forget words. But yeah, no, I just thought it was all really fun and it sets the stage for who she is as a character. So it's not, I don't think, like, I, th I guess that's the thing. If it was just some other show... If She-Hulk all of a sudden decided to have an Avengers con and you saw all this stuff, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I mean, that was cute, but, like, did we really need it? But with this show, I think with Miss Marvel and Kamala's character, you do really actually, it informs who she is. Yeah, a thousand percent agreed. I like the Avengers con. I think it made sense for who she was and what they're doing in the show. And Yeah, it could be seen as a flex, but look, after 10 years and all those billions of dollars, I think they've earned the flex. Uh, Shannon, what did you think about the Avengers con being in this in this first episode? I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. Like, this yeah. is a flex that they have earned. Yeah. And it also sort of informs the audience on how much the general public knows about the superheroics of this world. I mean, the fact that, like, Captain America's out there, Tony Stark's out there, Black Widow's out there, it's kind of like, okay, well, that, that kind of makes sense. Tony Stark was a famous guy. We found out in Black Widow that she's been on the cover of magazines. Right. The fact that they have the Guardians out there. Um, is kind of like, oh, okay. Like apparently one of the Easter eggs, I did not see this. I, I, I looked it up. Um, but apparently one of the Easter eggs is Star-Lord has, or uh, Quill has written a book. Yes. Like there's some sort of, bi you know, uh, biography. And so it would make sense that even though we may not have seen, or the public may not have seen that, you know, the, the battle in Endgame, that Quill would have talked about, like, hey, I was I was a, a, a kid in the 80s when I got abducted by these yeah. aliens, and now I've come back as a hero. I thought it was, so, like, it's so much fun. And knowing that Comic-Con is coming up in a little over a month, it got me excited for San Diego in July. <laughs> I do. Well, and I remember when WandaVision came out, this was, like, a big thing we all discussed because uh, Monica Rambeau and uh, Darcy and... Uh, Jimmy, Agent Jimmy, Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. Yeah. They were all talking, and they were like talking about Captain Marvel showing up in the battle in Endgame. And I yeah. think we all had this big discussion of like, well, how would they really know the specifics of what happened? Like, was this is this just Marvel kind of being a little bit lazy? But now, like this whole opening of the show where uh, Kamala's like, oh yeah, and I learned a lot from Scott Lang's podcast. He seems like a great guy. And you do realize that like in this world, even though we don't see it, like all of these characters yeah. would be interviewed or talk or write books or there would be documentaries about them or because like there would be so much curiosity. Like in a real world situation, if we had shit like that going on, we would all be taking every bit of information everywhere oh, yeah. we could. And so seeing that there are a bunch of kids that do that, yeah, uh, totally valid. Yeah, and I think it's one of the things that she's relatable throughout this first episode. I mean, she's a struggling YouTuber. She's looking at her views. Oh and, my gosh, so and, funny! Johnny, subscribers. Johnny, I mean, Johnny was like, Johnny was like, oh, <laughs> too close to home. Too close to home. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not down there. But yeah, those, those, those <laughs> you're looking at that, and there's a connectability because the big ones are few and far between. Most everyone else who does that is struggling to kind of get 
some foothold in the in the sphere and it's not easy to do so uh shout out to her that she was doing it but the, the animations all the stuff i love the way when she's talking with the principal it splits into two different camera angles that's so awesome to see so those little things that are decorated throughout of how she sees the world makes so much sense that she'd want to go to an avenger con in the first episode make that a, a driving force because it connects all the fans too who are massive mcu fans and imagine if you're watching it you are a big marvel fan you you could understand that or connect to this impetus and drive so i like that they put that in there and by the way the podcast is called big me little me so i love that i wish i wish someone would do that paul rudd must have time to do that every once in like a 30 minute episode every week it'd be hilarious um uh, so let's move on to this post credit scene here the depart the u.s department of damage control with clear cleary and deaver so um dude did we like the way this was done i i I don't feel I think that's my one criticism here is I really didn't want to see this. Let us soak the more time with them and the world that they're creating here with for her before we kind of introduce this. But I get that this is a limited run. So you got to kind of get the uh, overall antagonists, quote unquote, uh, kind of presented here. So do you like that they're a part of this? Did you like this post credit scene or did it kind of throw you off from the vibe you were feeling in the first at the end of the first episode? Uh, Shannon. Uh, you know, I actually really liked it. I think okay. the Department of Damage Control is a fun thing to sort of uh, uh, use in in the expanding MCU. I think it's I think it's actually a smart thing, especially because you know, uh, Shield is gone, Sword is up in space. Um, like I, I think that's fun. Like I did not love the performance of uh, Alyssa. I think Reiner is her name. It was yeah, a little Reiner. too little too gum smacky. Like, hey, what do you think of this? Yeah. Like it was it was it's not. I didn't like it. I think yeah. It, it was not it was not handled uh you know that that delicately mm -hmm. <laughs> but um the guy from succession uh aryan uh 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 moyet i think his name is i really like him and i really liked him in um no way no home way. Mm -hmm. and it seems like he could be along the lines of like a colson a jimmy woo mm -hmm an Everett Ross. I mean, he could be one of those fun government characters to kind of pop up. And the fact that he is presenting right now, at least as a bit of an antagonist, um, this is going to be a, like, I am not aware of Miss Marvel's uh, rogues gallery, hmm. but he seems like a fun recurring antagonist who may work with you may not. So again, I didn't like Alyssa Reina's performance, but the idea of them using damage control, I think is actually very smart. Well, maybe you didn't like the way she was directed to perform the character. Maybe that's a, a more accurate term. I don't know. We'll see uh, as it goes forward. But I'm not putting anything on Adil and Bilal. Okay, fair They're enough. They're great. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Um, Michael, I, I think my overall point, and I think I think my overall feeling, rather, and, and this scene kind of proves my point, is I it's they're starting to come up with these antagonists that are comical as opposed to more serious which I felt at times uh, from Nick Fury when he was both the protagonist and antagonist, S.H.I.E.L.D., HYDRA, uh, Everett Ross, uh, uh, Coulson, um, Thunderbolt Ross. Like, I felt there was more weight and gravity to their approach. And it feels like these organizations they've been presenting, starting with Jimmy, Yu and other, Jimmy Woo and others, doesn't feel as kind of deep or threatening or fearful. Um, and it seems a little lighthearted. And I think I miss having a little more of the um, grittiness to this, these like a heavier, attacks. like a heavier yeah. villain, yeah, a heavier villain. Yeah. So it's like Hayward, he's part of the comical thing. I think I would say so uh, nice try. So nice try. Yeah. Because he's too easy. He's, there's no way to him because he's one dimensional. That was the problem. All right. Um, no, I, I, I think I'm more with Shannon, uh, you know, execution of the scene might not be great, but I actually really liked it. Uh, you know, the, the department of damage control, even though, we first saw him yeah. as the agent in No Way Home. The Department of Damage Control is at the very beginning of Homecoming. Right. They come in and like and they're they they come in to clean up the mess after the Battle of New York and kind of like that. That's what kicks off Adrian Toomes' whole story. Kind Daly coming in, uh, uh, yeah. Wait around, yeah. So I think it's an interesting organization that we haven't seen a ton of. Um, I think that I'm excited to see what happens because of his performance in No Way Home. In the very brief period of time that he was in there, he was very comical. He was funny, but he also did seem threatening. Like he he did play this sort of like, you know, well, I'm going to handle MJ one way, but then I'm going to Ned. He's like, oh, yeah, I got guys in chairs. All my guys are guys in chairs. And he's like, yeah, right. And he's like, so you are 
his assistant. You helped him do all those things. You know, like he kind of had that whole back and forth. So I think for the tone of what Miss Marvel seems to be, which is this kind of lighter, uh, more fun, not, not that there aren't emotional stakes and I think we're going to get to some deep places, but I think he, yeah. he and the Department of Damage Control might be the right level of government threat uh, for Kamala Khan. Yeah, that'd be the cause and effect. You're going younger with these heroes, so therefore you have to go a little less adult with the approach with some of these organizations, in my right. opinion, in my opinion. All right, uh, let's uh, let's wrap up here. We're at 52 minutes, so let's wrap it up. Mike, any final words on this? Yeah, episode? you know, I mean, I think we, we, we all said that the visuals were great, and we talked about the opening sequence uh, of her YouTube video, but I think that, and Shannon mentioned it, but, like, the way that they just infused that we are – we are living in Kamala's world. So like when she and Bruno are talking about what kind of Captain Marvel costume she can be, and it's just that long shot and you're just watching uh, all of the graffiti on the walls come to life, or when she and Bruno are texting each other and the text messaging is appearing on the street and on the walls and on the yeah, neon signs. Like, cool. I just think they did, uh, to Shannon's point, it's really great when you have directors who really know what they want to do and go after it. So even though this episode only had one very minor action sequence at the end yeah. where we first see her powers, it was so visually exciting that it didn't feel like it was draggy or it didn't yeah. feel like it was just a bunch of plot. Like there was so much really fun to be had with the way that she views the world or even when she's going over the plan of how they're going to get to Avengers Con and you see like her drawing her family and drawing all this. Like it's yeah. just such a visually exciting interpretation. And I really hope that we continue with those things uh, throughout the entire episode, the run of the series. Okay. Shannon, final words on, on this opening episode? I mean, I super enjoyed it. Like coming off of Moon Knight, like I was not the biggest fan of Moon Knight. Um, I, I know some of our audience really, really liked it. It just didn't, it didn't check all the boxes for me. Um, starting this off so just, again, just so energetically. And you can tell the creative team, the directors and the writer, I mean, they have a very specific vision for this show, which based off of one episode in, yeah. Um, it seems like they're they're really, really nailing. I mean, I feel very optimistic about where the show is going based off of what we yeah. got. And um, in terms of where the characters are going to go, I mean, the moment where, Zeno again, like I'm a big Zenobia Shroff uh, uh, stan, apparently, mm -hmm. um, the moment that she tosses that Hulk costume at, at Kamala, I mean, it's so heartbreaking. And to yeah. see the way her parents view her and as an audience, knowing where she's going to get to, that that journey, that dynamic that she has is going to be, I imagine, uh, very exciting to watch. So yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to where the show is going. Yeah. I, oh, you got more to say? Okay. Go yeah. Ahead. Just really, just really quickly off of that. I mean, I just wanted, to, as I said at the beginning, you know, like I was kind of filled with relief, and like based on this first episode, and it could go any which way. We could get halfway through this run and be like, oh, they really took a turn. I don't know what's going on. But if they maintain what they're doing right now this show will be very high on my list and when we do the order of Disney Plus shows. Yeah. And I think that for Marvel's future, for the MCU's future, it needs to be there because Miss Marvel is a huge part of yeah. the next era of the MCU. Great points, Mike. Yeah, I 100% agree with both of you. I, I really enjoyed it. It's a great opening episode for a, for a series that really introduces you into the character, into the character's life and allows you to connect. It's unusual. It's a new approach. We, we've seen shades of this approach, but not from a female point of view. And that's been nice and uh, eye-opening and really cool to dive into. And as I said, it's three dudes talking about it. Yeah, we connected with this character and what she's going through and the universality. And it's very, it's very much gravitating to what's going on in the younger generation. So it's appealing to that, the, the way they work, the way they talk, the way they operate, the way they see the world. All of that is there for you to kind of catch up to and connect to and have fun enjoying a new perspective, a new approach into the MCU. And of course, Iman Vellani is the leader of all of that. Her performance is so great. Her charm, her energy, her approach to this character, everything. Bisha K. Ali, the two directors, everybody involved in this understands the approach that they're going uh, with here. And they are in it knee deep. And Kevin Feige, of course, approving this with Victoria Alonso, all of them on board with this and where it's going. And I like the way they've presented it. And there's more to come, obviously, with the next few episodes. It's going to be a joy to see where it all goes uh, and uh, who gets presented and, and what storylines get presented and um, how much more we get with Aman Vellani as this character 
um, and how much she's going to grow into the character, I imagine, as the season goes along. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see that for sure. And I love the vibrancy. I mean, it's a big, big bright colors. I do enjoy it when it's when it's used well, and it's very much used well in this show for sure. Um, all right, well, there we go. That's our a spoiler review for episode one, Generation Y of uh, of um, uh, Ms. Marvel here from Disney Plus and Marvel Studios. Thank you all so much for watching or for listening to us. You can always listen to us on the podcast stream as well. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Mikey? Um, if you enjoyed this spoiler video uh, and enjoy any of our other videos and want us to continue to make more videos for you, just like Kamala does, uh, here is what you can do for us. Uh, hit that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Get him more followers than Kamala. Uh, and, come on. Uh, I don't have superpowers. <laughs> leave your comments below what did you think of miss marvel what did you think of the series did it live up to your expectations what do you think of the power switch where do you think things are going to go let us know your thoughts below if you're listening to this on spotify or apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available leave us some stars leave us some comments helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials and tell everybody to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies and a big shout out to Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies and on the Outlaw Nation channel. Got any healthcare questions or needs or concerns? Head on over to CarbonHealth.com. See if they've got a facility near you. They also offer virtual care in case you can't go into a facility. They've got 100 plus locations all over the country, 50 plus locations in California alone. And if you're looking to get COVID testing, well, they do a lot. They've done over 2 million tests at their locations. You can also pick up at-home testing packets that they sell there at their locations and get the uh, app as well downloaded as a doc in your pocket for to answer any of your healthcare questions concerns or needs from carbon health go to carbonhealth.com all right thank you all so much for joining us we'll certainly be back reviewing every episode of ms marvel so stay tuned for all of that and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here from the geek buddies <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.